should you apologize and is does it even make sense to do so in a world where apologizing apparently doesn't matter anymore because if the opinions are strong enough you can get away without it i guess it all depends on like who you're apologizing to how is your apology going to influence the future of the way they think about you the way they perceive your company or your organization or you know the person the individual themselves you could appear weak by apologizing it's something that people consider i guess you could also appear strong. You know, there's there's emotional yeah. strength or confidence in, a, in an apology. Right, I agree. There's also the issue of, is it moral not to apologize? Positive feedback loop. Three, two, one. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. I am Stephanie, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Luis and Ray. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And in this episode of the Positive Feedback Loop podcast, we would like to examine public apologies. In other words, the apologies that you make to somebody and the whole world is watching, or maybe just a lot of people are watching. I thought we could start with some examples that we can think of, of some public apologies that were either great or not so great. I think this is, we're currently in the moment in time where we are swarmed with apologies. Most of them bad, um, as we've seen from the many, many, many sex scandals that have come out over the last couple of months. Take, for example, Kevin Spacey's, who basically blamed it on the alcohol and then on being gay. Or rather, he didn't so much blame it on being gay, but then shunted the apology to draw attention away from it to, hey, also, by the way, I'm gay. And I was drunk. And that was so long ago. Who remembers? And, of course, that's not the actual way he presented it, but that's basically how it came across. And I think that's really the crux of it, right? How is it received? You could have the most well-written apology in the world, but if you do it in the wrong way, it could be received extremely poorly. Right, the intent uh, when you're apologizing is important, but it doesn't necessarily matter as much as how the person is perceiving it. So that's that's really the essential part that you should really focus on. How will the person hearing this hear this? How will they actually um, take this away, and what will they think about the person? Well, we have to ask and ourselves what the purpose of an apology is. It's like you said, you're thinking of how will the person take it, and that's one thing that's really important when you're considering an apology. There was a case article I read where Chris Syme quotes Dr. Heidi Grant Halverson, who's a social psychologist, and Halverson says, remember to ask yourself the following, who am I talking to and what is he or she looking for in my apology? So Ray, that basically gets at what you're explaining, which is you're thinking of the other person. The apology isn't about you, it's about that person. And I think there's also a little bit more to it, right? I mean, on a personal scale, that might be the case where it's, I'm apologizing to you personally. I've wronged you in some way. Um, and there's actually a really good uh, game I found. It's well, it's a fairly simple game, but it helps people build apologies. It uh, we'll, put the, we'll put it in the notes so you can find exactly where it is. But the entire crux of it is you go through it. You click some, it asks you some questions about what exactly you did. You kind of work about it like, you know, do you feel guilty about it? Do you feel that you did you do it on purpose? Did you not do it on purpose? Why did you do it? 
how did it happen? Who was the person worse affected than you are? That sort of stuff. So you can help you kind of like guide you through the process of thinking about what what it is your priorities are and how you want to address it. But in the realm of the public sphere, it's a little bit different because there's more to it than just an apology, right? You also want to make sure you're not destroying your own personal brand or your company's brand. There's also fears of litigation a lot of the time, which whether whether true or not, are a real concern for companies and individuals. Even if oftentimes a good apology that really takes um, responsibility for an action, even if a lawyer might say, oh, that puts you at an unnecessary risk, that might actually mitigate the risk of a lawsuit. And there's been people who found that, you know, in hospitals who have allowed doctors to apologize to victims of malpractice, they've been able to avoid being sued because the victims were satisfied with getting that apology. They said, well, you know what? I know you tried your best. Something bad happened. The world is doesn't always work out well. Right, for sure. It's really important to craft an apology in a way that, like you're talking about, Luis, makes sense. It's effective. And there's actually, as I was doing research, I found a website. It's called perfectapology.com. And here it says the guidelines for a perfect business apology. There's multiple steps, but one, you have to give a detailed account of the situation. Two, acknowledge the hurt or damage done. Three, you take full responsibility. Four, recognize your role or the companies in the situation. Five, include a statement of regret. Six, ask for forgiveness. Seven, promise that it won't happen again. And eight, provide a form of restitution if possible. I want to include timing. The timing of the apology is critical. You just have to make sure that you time your apology appropriately. Given this, all those steps, it, it might even see, da- seem daunting <laughs> to write your apology. And given the very public nature of apologies today, if a business makes a mistake, they have to go to all their different, don't have to, but they could potentially go to all of their social media platforms to apologize. And then, you know, every social media platform has a different format so you you have this short tweet but then you have a lot more space in a facebook post and and how do you craft your apology in in those ways there's a an example of uh what i thought was a good apology by KitchenAid, uh, and this is social media related uh, because the mistake and the apology both happened on social media <laughs> KitchenAid is a kitchen appliance brand uh, they sell appliances such as mixers the person, the social media manager who was charged with sending out the tweets accidentally sent out during the 2012 presidential campaign a tweet about Obama that was very offensive toward Obama. And instead of sending it out on the personal Twitter account, the manager accidentally sent it out on KitchenAid's account, which had tens of thousands of followers at the time. And what happened next is really interesting. KitchenAid then tweeted, again, deleted the post and tweeted uh, a sort of apology, such as the views expressed do not represent KitchenAid. But what's interesting is the social media manager's manager, Cynthia Soledad, who had hired that person, actually issued the apology. So this is a person who is not to blame for what happened. And she tells Mashable in an email, I'll quote it, During the debate tonight, a member of our Twitter team mistakenly posted an offensive tweet from the KitchenAid handle instead of a personal handle. 
The tasteless joke in no way represents our values at KitchenAid, and that person won't be tweeting for us anymore. That said, I lead the KitchenAid brand, and I take responsibility for the whole team. I am deeply sorry to President Obama, his family, and the Twitter community for this careless error. Thanks for hearing me out. What I think is so interesting about this apology is that you have somebody making the apology that you can't really blame. I mean, she's in a good situation because people see a person taking blame who, who's, who they know is not to blame. And she's taking care of the situation, being very specific about what the misdeed was. So not just saying, I'm sorry for what happened tonight, but saying, this is what happened tonight. I am sorry for it. And then saying at the end, which I think is so interesting, a thank you. Thanks for hearing me out. An apology that ends with a thank you for hearing me out is almost like saying, now that you've read this, you've actually given me part of the restitution, at least a piece of it, just by hearing my apology. And that somehow facilitates an exchange, a positive exchange with the viewers. I, I, I think that that's, that's good. I mean, I think one of the things that companies need to make sure that they're doing, and this is a basic space-saving measure, is make sure that you're not pushing the apology on a low-level drone. And I use drone, and that sounds pejorative, but I'm just using that as a, as a term. The main thing you want to make sure you're doing is showing that the company itself takes the issue seriously. And by having a high-level individual apologizing rather than having, like, the person who made the mistake if they are very low-level, because that happens, right? A low-level phone employee takes makes a mistake during a phone call, and certainly there's a Twitter storm about it. But if you have, like, a COO or uh, you know, a CTO or someone high-level apologizing on the behalf of the company – it shows that, hey, we're taking this seriously and we're going to take steps to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. And you have to say that, right? I mean, not in those words, but saying, we, uh, we're sorry for what happened. We will make, we'll, we'll, we're reviewing the situation. If you don't have all the details yet, that's absolutely a fair thing to do. We, will, we apologize to those injured parties and we are taking these steps, these very tangible steps to take, do something about it. If you have tangible steps already planned. And if not, the reviewing situation is helpful. But... You probably want to have something that you can show this is what exactly we are doing and this is how we're going to make up for it. Both to make sure that one, those parties who were injured feel like we have taken steps to ameliorate the pain and two, so that those parties who are injured feel that we won't be injuring further parties in the future. Right, and similar things uh, work in a customer service setting, in a customer support setting, actually, but it it is different in that it is sort of like a you know not the CEO of the company, but a lower level employee apologizing for a mistake that you know someone had bought a table that had loose screws and it was broken, or they weren't able to fix it, and they had to return it or something. So in that example, the person that they called, just some customer support representative apologizes for that error and representing the entire company. So um, it's interesting that that apology does make the customer feel like, okay, they understand me. Now I'm going to, we're going to be able to fix it together. So that's kind of, um, it's important for not just the public settings, but even in the individual issues with the individual customers or, um, well, communities. It's, it's proven that some customers will actually delete their negative review or even write a revision of their review if a company just reaches out to them with an apology. And part of the reason that you 
don't want to make excuses as a company. I mean, there's you could apologize or you can make an excuse. You can pass the blame or say, no, we didn't do, you know, yeah. that's not right or whatever. That's, that's an excuse. But if you actually deal with the situation, you're showing a customer a, or a prospective customer how you might deal with future situations. So let's say you're a corporation that makes excuses and you don't apologize. I'm going to see that and say, I don't think I want to buy a product from them because if the product comes damaged or something in the mail, I'm going to have a really hard time working it out with them. And funny enough, this is actually what I think when I read Amazon reviews. I look for in the reviews how good the company is at resolving issues and things like that because the last thing I want to do is buy you know, an expensive product or something that's fragile or you know, something that I know is important to me. You know, and, and if I'm going to have to deal with their customer service I want to know that they have good customer service so I mean if it's something small you know if it's broken okay well I'll take the risk you know (laughs) but if it's serious it's a serious purchase the last thing you want is to see a corporation that makes excuses all over their social media the risk for that purchase becomes higher basically and you also want to make sure that you are apologizing to the right people that's the other thing right because this oftentimes happens where you know you apologize to your employees rather than to the people that your that your company hurt right or you blame the customer rather than your own your own internal mis- misfunction you got to make sure that you know who's responsible within your organization and who was hurt once you have those facts then you can start thinking about you know then you can start really crafting an effective apology that that said you shouldn't wait until you have an entire you know 800 page report on what happened to apologize for a simple thing. And that comes into the question of what do you do if you're not sure if you're to, you're to blame? That's a really hard one because it's really hard to apologize as it is just human nature. Apologies are really hard when you're guilty, when you're not guilty, what do you do? Because you don't want to make look like you're making excuses or passing the guilt but i'll tell you what, what if you you're don't just do. not guilty right what do you not do i'll tell you what you don't do you don't say i'm sorry you're sorry which is <laughs> yep i'm sorry you're offended apologies yep there's there's or, i'm sorry for the situation or something like that i'm sorry you feel this way about this that's not an apology that is blaming someone for having emotions which yeah sometimes people overreact but the last, if you've ever had a conversation with someone and you've told them you're overreacting, have you ever seen, first of all, I've never done this because I value my life. And <laughs> anyone I've ever seen do that has never had a positive outcome. I have never seen someone go, you are overreacting. And then the other person go, you're right. I'm going to calm down now. I'll, I'll come back in five minutes. Never. <laughs> yeah. If somebody right. tells you you're overreacting, it, it, it's like a double offense. You've just offended the person again. And now you have to craft some sort of apology that covers now these two things that have been done. The, the idea of kind of apologizing that you're offended. Uh, there was a Dove Facebook ad that was racist. It was a body wash ad. And basically in the ad, a woman with dark skin takes off her brown shirt to reveal a woman with light skin wearing a cream shirt beneath. People when was this? did not like this. This was October of this year, of 2017. Interesting. Uh, yes, so it was very like recent. That. And I think 
so Dove claims that they were just trying to show that the body wash is great for all types of skin, but it came across as a before and after pick. It looked like there is this darker skinned woman taking off her brown shirt to reveal the lighter skinned woman beneath. And it was super offensive. If you use Dove body wash, we'll wash the black away. Well, this is an example. Really racist. This is an example of where it's an awful thing to say. I just want to make sure I put that out there because I am not endorsing that view. Well, this is an example of where intent didn't really matter, right? When they put out that commercial, their intent was to display, you know, the fact that this bar of soap or whatever it was, the lotion, can work for all types of skin, you know, skin colors and skin conditions. But it looked like, you know, you were black and now you're white. Things are better. Something like that. Obviously, that's racist. So yeah. they said... Our, an image we recently posted on Facebook missed the mark in representing women of color thoughtfully. We deeply regret the offense it caused. So this goes back to what Louise is saying. Can you just say, I'm so apologetic about your offense, the offense that it caused. That's, it, it, it happened to cause some offense. Is that a good enough apology? Will people accept that? Well, then they also say, in that they missed the mark, which I get what they're trying to say is we aimed to do this one thing, and what happened was this other thing that caused offense. And I get that that's not technically saying, I'm sorry, you're sorry. Because it's saying, we sort of messed up, we intended to do this one thing, and we got this other thing. But it's so vague and wishy-washy, it doesn't really just say, we are sorry, this ad was wrong-headed, we... Did not we obviously did not see what we were doing, and we'll make sure that in the future our ads go through a different review process to ensure that we are, you know, not offending the public. Well, you've or already putting out clearly offensive ads, huh? But you've already improved it, so you've you've added, and in the future we'll make sure that was the part they lacked. Which Ray, that was one of the steps you mentioned in the article you read, which was the restitution part. Well, in, you know, in the future, we will do this to make sure it doesn't happen. Or we will do X, Y, and Z to, for, for restitution for what happened. But, you know, if you do have good intentions and things happen to go wrong just because you're mortal, uh, there's like a difference between a mistake and a sin, right? A sin is like you, you, did, bad, you did an unethical thing in your business. You've got it that, you know... <laughs> You caused a huge oil spill. You really need to apologize for that. Then there are mistakes, honest human errors. And should apologies look different? Just to comment on that oil spill thing, it wasn't like they said, okay, let's let's open up this oil container and let it spew into the ocean. That was also a human error as well. So it's hard to say, you know, no one intends to be i mean i guess some people do but most people don't try to be malicious in their activities so uh, but they end up having to apologize for it anyways which is fine because they made a mistake and you apologize for it this way everyone acknowledges it was a mistake and everyone around uh, the situation is aware of it and people can try to prevent it moving forward and that's the that's like the purpose as well is to publicly state that this is wrong everyone knows it now Let's try not to make this happen again. So we'll go to a commercial now. And when we come back, we'll dig even deeper into what makes a corporate apology effective or not. See you soon. 
we at PFL Podcast would like to apologize for people in California feeling bad about their heads turning pink. It was not a deliberate choice on our behalf, but misuse of our product by applying it directly to your head does result in your head turning pink. This was not the intended usage, and we apologize that you are not smart enough to figure this out. We at PFL Podcast would like to issue a sincere apology. To all humans who remain, we apologize for sexting that message to Skynet. We did not know it would lead to the impending robot apocalypse. Welcome back to PFL Podcast. We've been talking about public apologies, the bad examples, the good examples, and how to make an apology that is so public, uh, often incorporating social media, but uh, in general, incorporating a lot of people who are listening. I was thinking of another recent example. Okay, it's not that recent. Do you guys remember when Netflix decided to charge differently for its sending DVDs versus the streaming service? Yeah, when they were going to split the company into and have you pay for... Yeah, that was, that was a while ago. Yeah, so this was quite a while ago, almost not in most people's consciousness anymore, probably beneficial for Netflix. I remember the backlash. I think they had called it Quickster or something. They had some new name for this split, for the, for the sending out the DVDs. The Netflix CEO, Reed Hastings, posted a blog post at the time with an apology. And I thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to read an excerpt. This is what he says. I messed up. I owe everyone an explanation. It is clear from the feedback over the past two months that many members felt we lacked respect and humility in the way we announced the separation of DVD and streaming and the price changes. What I think is really interesting about that is... It's a very humble apology. A lot of corporate apologies tend to come across as, we deeply regret the formal language, insert formal language here, you know? And with this one, he's like, dude, guys, I messed up. Let me give you an explanation. This is how people felt about us. And he actually uses the terms that people have have used to describe how they feel about Netflix. So it's a very real apology. It's very raw. It's like he's yep. apologizing to his friends rather than his, you know, distanced constituents. I think the word you're looking for there is sincere. And that's one of the things that um, some of the best apologies feel sincere because they don't feel like it's a giant faceless company saying, we're sorry that this is going to hurt our bottom line. Even if they don't say that, that's kind of how it comes across because it's saying, we're sorry, this is a mandatory thing that we need to apologize for because we messed up, sort of, even though we don't really feel bad about it. But we need to do it because our investors will be angry otherwise. I was just thinking, like, at the time, how big was Netflix? They were still, like, you know, not the size they are now. So I'm thinking if something like that were to happen now, the fact that they are bigger, I think their corporate culture is great, by the way. But I'm just thinking of how a bigger company has more people, which, you know, makes it more difficult to agree upon how an apology would go about. You know what I mean? So there'll be more people weighing in on what they think about what they should do. There'll be the public relations officer talking with, you know, different board members. So there'll be more people putting in their opinion, which will kind of dilute the apology. I agree. I like the way 
I um, would not say that Netflix was a small company at this time. This is around the time where Blockbuster was essentially going out, was like dead at this point. So Netflix was already gigantic. It isn't the monster it is today, but it was by no means a small company. Because I remember this was not, even though it's like in terms of corporate time, a really long time ago, in terms of real time, it wasn't that long ago. Well, what I think... Ray, you make an interesting point, which is there's a lot of red tape or or bureaucratic process. I don't know how you describe it, but there's a lot of process there. And I mean, in the social media world, especially, I think there are some agencies where they've actually said like one tweet can pass through like seven people. And it's just ridiculous how long it takes to send 140 characters, which is now 280 characters. But still, it's a long process. What's interesting is if your brand has a certain voice, it can stay true to that voice. Apple was also a very big, and still is, very big corporation. And at one point, Taylor Swift had complained that uh, Apple Music or one of their Apple's services was allowing a free trial period to customers. And she thought the artists aren't getting paid for the music during that trial period. So she was going to boycott Apple. And Apple actually tweeted... Or it wasn't, it wasn't Apple that tweeted, but it was actually the senior vice president of Internet Software and Services, Eddie Q. And Eddie Q sends two tweets in 2015, June of 2015. And the first one is hashtag Apple Music will pay artists for streaming even during customers' free trial period. So he doesn't apologize at all. He just fixes the problem, which is really interesting. I feel like fixing the problem is, in essence, an apology. And then he sends the second tweet, quote, we hear you at Taylor Swift 13 and indie artists love Apple. So this is, what's so interesting about this is you've got two tweets, both not a standard apology and both very unique and ca- I don't want to say casual, but very personable. The one is fixing the problem and the second one is saying, I hear you. So I had a similar experience with a, obviously much smaller than Apple. It was a steakhouse in Brighton, Massachusetts. I noticed that it was flying an American flag that was completely torn up and battered. And that was problematic to me because I'm patriotic. I really love my country. And I feel like the American flag is a, a symbol of freedom. And so I was pretty upset at this because, first of all, why would you do that? But anyway, so I tweeted to them because I didn't know how to get in contact with the, the local branch. I tweeted to them about the battered flag and saying, this is really horrible. You should fix this. They never responded. They never tweeted back. But I noticed the very next morning, the flag was down, taken down and not flying anymore. So they never apologized, but they fixed the problem that I was complaining about. And that was good enough for me. Um, I have a sort of similar example. This is not a personal one. This is a very well-known case that it happened very recently. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the company EA, Electronic Arts. It is a major game publisher, developer, house, all the things. It's a publisher. Huge. Yeah. And it has a really bad track record. It just has always had kind of a bad track record in terms of just public satisfaction for like a period of two years straight. It was rated, I think in like 2013, it was rated 
uh, worst company in the world, like for two years straight. Not a great, you know, not a great series of periods of time, but they did what they could. They took some steps, and over time, people slowly started to forget and forgive, and things were starting to turn around for them. That being said, people have never kind of gotten out of their head that EA is kind of a greedy, big, kind of amorphous blob of a company. And this year, a lot of stuff has happened, and kind of that image has resurfaced. And the most recent controversy they had was because they were about to release a game, uh, Battlefront 2. It's a major Star Wars game, a very big release for them, supposed to be making all of the money, essentially, because, first of all, you're combining Star Wars fandom, which is huge, with one of the most well-known franchises within the series. So they, they should be technically making all of the money. But here's what happened. They released this game, and inside the game, they tied progression within the game to obtaining loot boxes, which gave you abilities which otherwise would you would not have. So if you start the game fresh and you don't have a loot box, you have a significant disadvantage because your ability to do damage and unlock heroes, you don't get that unless you unlock them from a loot box. If you just played the game straight, some people actually calculated that if you were to play the game two hours a day for six years, it would take you. Two hours a day, every day for six years to unlock all of this stuff in the game without spending any money. Meanwhile, if you wanted to get all this stuff, you could pay $2,000 and get all of it. This is a game you have to pay for, by the way. There's a baseline price for the game. And if you paid this stuff, you had a significant advantage over other players, otherwise known as pay to win, essentially. This is a scheme that generally is seen with mobile games. Obviously, the community did not like this, and they have gone full-on riotous against EA. So EA, in their infinite wisdom, decided to pause microtransactions within the, the, the game for the time being, and their entire, their entire response was essentially, I'm going to read it to you. So they say, uh, after basically saying we're going to turn off microtransactions for a bit, they say, we've heard your concerns about potentially giving players unfair advantages and we've heard that this is overshadowing an otherwise great game. This was never our intention. Sorry we didn't get this right. The problem is, this doesn't look great for a company that already has a really bad track record. Because first of all, you're not really apologizing. You're saying, we hear you, which, great, you hear us. But at the same time, you're also saying, we were never intending uh, for this to hurt the game, when all you're doing is creating a system that is, sets the game to be pay-to-win. The incentives there are very obvious. It's just make more money. How do you not expect that to affect the way that the game actually plays? It see it feels nakedly greedy and the apology doesn't really feel sincere in any way because you're not really saying this you're not acknowledging that this system was intended to make more money. During my research, there's a website I found. It's called sorrywatch.com. And there's basically this person or this group of people who basically collected or they blog about all the different apologies that have been posted online or in the news. It looks like thousands of different apologies by people and corporations and or different organizations. And it's cool because they also categorize it. They talk about, like, you know, the best and the worst uh, apologies, fake apologies, 
uh, cryptic apologies, corporate apologies, musical apologies, academic apologies, and social media apologies. There's different, you know, sexual apologies. It's very sexual harassment apologies. I mean, religious apologies. So it's called sorrywatch.com. So if you want to, I don't know if, if our audience is interested in just reading different people apologizing about things. I don't. I don't think it's that great to do. But I mean, it's a it, it's it's a resource that's available to you, which is interesting. Do you, can Sorry you read watch. one example, like a short one? Just I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, the most recent one was posted today. I'll read this. It says, when Dr. Larry Nassar pleaded guilty to first-degree criminal sexual conduct last week in Michigan, he was facing seven counts. Three crimes were against girls under 13, the rest against against girls between 13 and 15. And he says, this is the apology now. I think this is important, what I've done today to help the to help move the community forward and away from the hurting, let the healing start. For all those involved, I am horribly sorry that this was like a match that turned into a forest fire out of control, and I pray the rosary every day for forgiveness. I want them to heal. I want this community to heal. I have no animosity toward anyone. I just want healing. We need to move forward in a sense of growth and healing, and I pray for that. It's time. I don't know. That's... Wow. Still pretty terrible. I mean, you hear about these, uh, the USA gymnastics coaches also sexually harassing or sexually assaulting the Olympians. Literally, like girls that are like 16 to 15 being taken advantage of by their doctors and like official doctors too. So I feel like it's just strange that we are living in a world that. Well, we are our, probably only stealing, we're only actually hearing about a few of these um, situations in apologies. The other are just going unnoticed. Do you think that there are things that cannot be apologized for? They're just not. You just like it's no no mercy kind of thing. You mean like that might be a different conversation of like you know what is punishable. I believe that God, for example is able to forgive even the deepest of sins if if the repentance you know is right but i think this is more of are there any corporate misdeeds that just an apology will never be enough i mean it seems like what you're saying is that there are those situations and it it doesn't matter do you though do? it doesn't matter though at the end of the day, you, yeah. even if it, an apology is not enough and you will never make up for the crime, like you if still have to whatever, apologize. Yeah. <laughs> let's imagine let's imagine a scenario where Company A allowed for a genocide. They somehow helped fund a group of people who committed a complete genocide and wiped out hundreds of thousands of human lives, including women, children, dogs, pets, everything. No matter no amount of apologizing is bringing those people back or making any of that better. Because you have just helped commit a genocide, a crime against humanity. But unless you are a remorseless monster, it is your duty as a human being to show remorse. It doesn't have to be like not not in the way that you like just throw money at the problem and like make a fund and that's it. But you should still show that you as a human 
because you're a moral person, I hope, and I hope everyone listening to this is a moral person and has a moral compass that allows them to see I have committed a terrible, terrible folly and I should make some level of amends, even if the amends is insufficient and the people who are dead are not going to hear it. I did not mean this is not who I am. And even if it is who I am, I am sorry that I have caused this pain. Well, like, right, but, but I'm not the giving. Thing is, a, I'm not giving an apology right now. I'm not doing a good case of it. But you should be at least show remorse. Right, but everyone's moral compass is not identical. So you, I agree true. with you that a genocide is an extreme case in which I feel that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of human beings uh, would feel true, sincere remorse if they were, you know, in that situation and. How do you navigate around the gray area where the moral compasses are not, you know? Well, I mean, the question there was, how do you, should, is there any case where an apology is insufficient? And I agree that there are cases where an apology is insufficient, but you should still apologize. What you're posing, Ray, is a different question, which is, what do you do when you don't know if an apology is required? Because you don't know if what you did was bad enough to warrant one. And that happens. I mean, take, for example, the Tesla case where the a person died by overly relying on the, on the automatic uh, driving and his car slammed into the side, I think, of a semi that was white because the car sensors assumed it was the sky because it was too white. That person was misusing the product. Um, they were overly relying on a system that is not meant to be fully automatic, it is supposed to have a human intervention and guidance. And Tesla, I don't think they issued an apology. If you use a product incorrectly and it ends up hurting you, it's not the company's fault that you got hurt. You know, if I buy a weapon and uh, hurt somebody, it's, it, it, you know, I guess that's different because the weapon is created solely for the purpose of well, damaging. It gets I don't understand, but. back to a question we had raised earlier, which is, how do you deal with the whole guilt apology thing as a business if you know it's not your fault? It wasn't even a mistake. Like, you know, in Dove's case, it was more of just a mistake. Um, uh, uh, what they say, we missed the mark, you know. But what do you do when you, you know that somebody has taken something, a product you produce, and they completely misuse it, and so, of course, it goes badly? I think that... What an apology is, is not just an expression of guilt. We think of apologies that way. But there are kind of these four reasons to apologize. And I got this from uh, an art, a paper online called The Legal Consequences of Apologizing, which actually says that it's not necessarily, there's not necessarily legal consequences, ironically. But there's four reasons you apologize. One is to salvage or restore some damaged relationship, which can happen with customers that you've totally hurt. The next is to escape punishment, which is kind of that like avoiding litigation or whatever it is. You apologize to hopefully not be punished in some way. Well, the third one is also kind of expression of guilt. It's to re relieve your guilty conscience. You apologize because your conscience tells you you need to do that. That's the moral decision to apologize. And this, goes, this answers the question of how big or small should it be to, to apologize? Well, your conscience will tell you if you have a healthy conscience. But the fourth one is really interesting. It's not really focused on the, your own guilt. 
It's that you apologize to diminish pain and suffering. I didn't say it earlier, and it was Tesla extended their sympathies instead of issuing an apology. But that's not really an apology. You're just empathizing with another yes. individual. I don't think that's an apology. You're using the word I'm sorry, which is used on a daily basis, sometimes unnecessarily. You know, if you're walking in front of me, I mean, you don't have to apologize for that. If you bump into me, you know, we bump into each other. Sometimes if it's like a hard bump, yeah, an apology. Like at least you acknowledge that I'm a human being and I was standing there. So that's that's nice. But I don't think it's an apology more. It's about expressing empathy. And, and often we use the words I'm sorry to express empathy. I think just to give people a very quick primer on what you should do. You, have, you are the CEO of a company. Uh, someone comes in and says, everything's on fire. Something has gone terribly wrong. Before you do anything, find out what happened. And then start thinking, should I apologize? Who should I apologize to? Who should be the one apologizing specifically? First, find out what happened. Here's the problem. You don't always you don't always have the luxury of time to figure out all the details of what happened. Often Good you point. don't even know I, who's to blame in time to to respond to a crisis. And it's, in terms it's of a social about, media crisis, it it could be you have maybe an hour to figure it out before things blow. I up. think what the Luis means is you, you have to put the panic. effort. You have to put the effort yeah, into making panic. sure that it's it's getting done. We're trying to figure out the situation and get as yeah. much information as possible. First, that's the first thing you should yeah. attempt to do. And make that effort. Luis makes a good point about extending sympathies. You know, often because you don't have the information, you actually don't know what you're apologizing for. And you don't even maybe even know what exactly happened because you don't have time. So first, you can extend sympathies or say we're looking into it or show some sort of action that you are taking to resolve the concern. This goes back to, you know, the tattered flag. I'm glad that they took down the flag before tweeting to me because the flag was the concern. That's what I was really concerned about, not, not them replying to me about the flag and finding the perfect message of how to make me feel good about the flag. So I think corporate apologies, we've talked a lot of, about uh, different scenarios, and it's really complex. It's a hard thing, especially as Ray pointed out, some of these corporations are huge, and the amount of people involved in a PR crisis can be, you know, <laughs> dozens of people or more. Apologizing itself is is a complex issue because it involves human emotion and human relationships, even if it's a one-to-one -one relationship or a corporation and, and its many customers. So we thank you so much for joining on us on this really interesting journey through public apologies as a topic and we hope it's been useful to you if you want to learn more about business and technology and culture topics such as these please follow us on twitter at the pfl podcast and visit our blog at pflpodcast.com we'd love to hear from you we love topic ideas and we have used topic ideas before in our episodes and we love to give shout outs to listeners so thank you for listening join us next time and as always stay crazy, crazy.